So glad you're here today. Thanks for coming out, being a part of the hills. Um, about to get crazy around this area of town, fairgrounds, flea markets, and um, the big fairs getting ready to happen. I want you to make plans for that. Uh, traffic may be a little crazier over the next several weeks, and so I want you to allow for that, okay? Just leave a little early, and, uh, and no problem getting here a little early, because we got coffee right out there, and, and some folks that would love to talk with you and spend some time with you. I want to remind you uh, about a couple of things that are coming up this Wednesday night. How many can tell me what's happening? Raise your hand. This Wednesday night, right here, first Wednesday worship at 6.30, right here. And it's going to be a fun time. Uh, it's a great time. We'll spend an hour and just going after the presence of the Lord. And it won't feel like Sunday morning. It's going to be a little different. So I'm telling you right now, when you show up Wednesday night, we're going after him, okay? So just know that. We're going to be praying for people. We're going to believe for God to heal folks and set people free. We're just going after it, okay? So if you've ever been a part of those kind of services, you're going to love this. So be back. If you've never been a part of those kind of services, come on anyway. Come on anyway, we, we'll, we'll, uh, it's going to be a wonderful time. So first Wednesday worship, if you don't have that on your calendar, put that on your calendar right now, 6.30, right here at the Knoll Center. Also, I want to remind you to register for gatherings. We have gatherings that, man, we've been getting such great reports from people that are telling us what their gathering has done already in their life. I'll say something. If you've got tough stuff going on in your life, here's the secret to it. Be at church. Be a giver, get on a serve team, get in a gathering. And I promise you, you're going to watch God do some amazing things in your life. Come to church, preferably on time, and preferably more than once a month. So say with me, come to church, give, serve, get in a gathering. Boom. That's how it works. If you want to know what we believe works in your life, that is, those are the things that work. That's just how we do church around here. And speaking of church around here, isn't it amazing to know that you're going to a church with folks like Josh and Nicole that have been on international television, have toured all around the world, and yet are right here serving at this church, giving and writing songs to be a blessing to this house. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. Josh and Nicole, thank you all so much for sharing that with us today. I'm excited about singing that more and more. We also have some other, you know, last week I bragged on some people, and so this week I'm going to brag on some people as well. Our very own Micah Smith, everybody knows Micah is a great designer, and Micah had a dream job because his favorite restaurant is Baja Burrito. How many like Baja Burrito? Check this out. Micah Smith, Baja Burrito, he designed their brand new cups. It's incredible, Micah. He didn't know I was going to do that. That's why I did it without telling him. I almost asked for a high-res file, but then I decided, no, he may send me a virus or something. That's just amazing. I love that, Micah. That is so cool. Just a dream job. And then also we have another crew, uh, Madison Cuthbertson, who's the daughter of, of Dwayne and Melissa, had this idea and went to Brandon Rycroft and Raina Goodman, and they all went together, and they designed this thing. Some of you may have seen it on 12th South. It's the chalkboard that says, Before I Die, 
And then you write in there exactly what you would like to do before you die. And it has caused an amazing stir. So much that they've asked them to make it, make it bigger. And uh, matter, matter of fact, they had to call the whole city out because there was some stuff they wanted to make it so big. So that's amazing. Let's give them a great big hand as well. So cool. I love that. I love this church. I'll be going uh, this Wednesday, and I'll be praying with the guys that are going on the Anomaly Tour, uh, Lecrae and Andy Minio, and we're going to be going and just praying over them. We have a whole, uh, whole team from our church that, that leaves us for these tours that are going out being a part of that. I love the fact that we get to be a part, while we're sitting here on Sunday, we get to be a part of touching nations all across the world because of the folks that are connected with this house. Get your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 12. So glad to have Coach Drew Maddox and his family here this morning, everybody except for Tara. She's in Honduras. She had to go that far to get away from you. Is that what happened? (laughs) I got to have a break. I'm going all the way to Honduras. So we got to pray for him. He's had the kids this whole week, and man, we're just speaking life over you, Coach Drew, (laughs) or maybe over them. I don't know. Everybody good today? Are y'all exhausted from worship, or you still got some more in you to help me preach this morning? Got Gwen does? Okay. Gwen, you're the hardest working person in this church, and you got more in you, so let's go. Genesis chapter 12. We've been talking about the promises. Everybody say the promises. We've been talking about the promises of God over his people, and not just people as a group, but people individually, persons. The personal promise that God has over your life. And as I began to dive into that several Sundays ago, I had people raise their hand. Many of you remember this story. Raise your hand if you know the promise that God has spoken over your life. And I was astounded at how few hands went up. And so I realized that I had some work to do as a pastor. Um, Chris and I believe that our life mission is to equip and encourage people to be everything that Jesus Christ made them to be. That's what God has called us to do. And so if I'm pastoring a church of people that don't know what God's called them to do, then we got to spend some time on that. And so we had a series all planned out for the fall. We scrapped the series, and we're just staying right in this thing called the promise, all right? So I want you to grab hold of this today. Last week, we read Genesis 12 and 1. It says this, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All of the families on earth will be blessed through you. The promise of God upon Abraham, a personal promise that God spoke to him. I'm believing today that before we leave, there are going to be some of you that did not really know what God has called you to do. But today, you're going to have a divine revelation of what God wants you to do. How many would like to receive that this morning? Yeah. So we've talked about, really, we, if we're going to title it, we've titled the seven P's of finding and fulfilling the promise that God has for you. Number one is passion. We started off with that. What makes your belly button buzz? What is that thing that just fires you up? And it was amazing to me. I've had coffee with a couple of people over the last weeks that have said that one resonated with them. Remember, I made a statement. Don't, no, don't neglect what you like. Remember that? 
Because sometimes in religion, we kind of get this thing, well, if you like it, then it's obviously not God's will for you because Jesus wants you to be miserable. I'm going to raise that way. Just raise your hand. Just if you ain't miserable, you're not living for God. Well, that's not the way it is. He came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. He gives us the desires of our hearts when we begin to acknowledge him and put him first. And so if you want to find what it is that God has promised you, find out what you're passionate about. Everybody say passion. Look at your neighbor and say passion. Find out what you're passionate about, and that's going to give you a clue to what your promise is. Secondly, what is your personality? What do you like? If, if, you're, if you're a recluse, God's probably not going to ask you to host a television show, all right? If you don't like people, God's probably not going to ask you to move into certain things. But if you love people, then God, you see how that is? What is your personality type? Then last Sunday, we talked about place. That there will be a place where the promise happens, and then a place where the promise will happen. Remember the statement we said, God always starts with a place, and then he creates a people? God created the earth, and then he created Adam from the dust of the earth. Say this with me. God mixes you up from the dust of your destiny. So he creates a space, and then from that space he makes you, which explains why your heart beats for certain things and why you like certain things and why you don't like certain things. Some of you just love the country. Raise your hand if you love the country. I'm allergic to it. So my mom would say, how many of you just love the city? Just love being right in the middle. How many kind of right in between? You'd like to have a place in the city and a place in the country. Chris and I are talking about fall break right now. What are we going to do? And taking a little few days and going. And for her, it's just always the beach, the beach, the beach, the beach, the beach, the beach, the beach. Probably because she lived in Oklahoma. That's probably why. And I'm always like, I just want to go to a city or go to the mountains or that kind of thing. We always end up going to the beach for some reason. (laughs) That's right. We can go to the country, but I don't want to do that either. (laughs) There will be a place where the promise happens. Let me get that for you now. That's important. If you've not had that place, you need to pray that God gives you that place. You need to have a moment that for the rest of your life, you can go back to and say, that was the day that God told me what I was supposed to do. That was my promise. That was my day. Abram can take you back to that place. Paul can take you back to that place. David can take you back to that place. Jesus can take you back to that place. Now listen to this. He is the son of the living God. You know he knows who he is. Obviously, right? And you know Mary told him, you're the one, Neo, you're the one. You're the one. You're chosen. You're going to be the special one. All these things you're reading in the prophets, that's you, little Jesus. You know Mary told him. It was not enough, though, Holly. At some point, he still had to have his heavenly father rip the heavens open and declare over him, you are my beloved son, and I'm pleased with you. Listen to me. We are not going to change the world if we do not have those kind of moments. Because if you don't have that kind of moment, you get in the middle of what you're trying to do and life starts smacking you in the face and your weaknesses start rearing up. Isn't it amazing how our weaknesses can be so strong? Our weaknesses start pushing us back. You've got to have a moment that you can go back to and say, that was the day that God promised me what I was supposed to do. 
How many have had that moment? You could take me back to it right now. You could take me back to the space. For some of you, it's multiple places. I know for me it was. It's multiple places. That was the day he told me this. That was the day that I felt this. That was the day. It happened It happened last Sunday to Lisa Jones standing right here. Everybody else left, and little Lisa, single mama with little Sophia, hung out right here. She said, I'm not leaving until I have my place. And we watched her get baptized with the Holy Spirit. I mean, God just jumped on her just right right here. We got to have those moments. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's a it's an epiphany. It's, a, it's something that happens, but you need to start praying for that because that's the thing you're going to always go back to. Now, I may not be a good preacher, and you may not like me as a pastor, but that's good preaching, and that's some good pastoring right there. You need to have that moment. There will be a place where it happens. The promise is given, and then there's going to be a place where the promise happens. That's what you're always going for. You're always hoping for. You're always longing for. That's what keeps you going, right? The promise where it happened will push you, but where it's going to happen will pull you. And many times we need both at the same time. That promise, I know God has told me, and I'm not quite there yet, so I'm going after more. The only way, though, this is what we talked about last week, that you can get from where the promise happened to where the promise is going to happen is you got to leave someplace. You got to leave some people. We just read it in our text. You got to be willing for some people to leave you. Everybody look at me. Let me tell you a lesson I've learned pastoring. You got to choose who you lose. That's a really good word. Tweet that. Hashtag that you got to choose who you lose. Some people are not going to like hanging out with you when you start living the way God has promised you to live. Because when you start grabbing hold of the promise that God has for you, it's going to require you to live a different lifestyle. Why can everybody else do it? Because they don't have the promise you got. That's why. That would be a whole series right in itself right there. Is it a sin? I don't know if it's a sin, but for me, it ain't right. I love what Paul said. Paul said, if you think it's a sin, then it's a sin for you. Don't put that on anybody else. But also, don't lower your standard because you don't, they don't think it's wrong. You got to know what God's called you to do, to walk that promise out. Man, we've been dealing with it even in our household as we begin to raise boys up to the next level of leadership. And, well, everybody else can, but you ain't everybody else. But here's the the scary thing, parents. When God called Samson and he said to Samson, you're going to be a special judge. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to touch any dead thing. I don't want you to ever cut your hair. You all know the story of Samson, right? Here's the thing that parents don't like to hear. He told mom and daddy, y'all got to do the same thing. What had happened? (laughs) So that's a scare. All of us want to raise special kids, but I don't know that we want to live special lives to raise special kids. So God says to them, you want a special boy? Yes! You got to do the same thing. You got to be set an example for this boy. So mom and dad, that's a word for somebody right there. Grab hold of that. You're trying to raise up special kids. That means we got to walk a special way. And so what's happened in our household is Chris and I, when we've watched our boys, we're trying to raise them up. Thank God for coaches and for teachers and for uh, uncles and aunts that are helping raise these boys. You can't do it by yourself. That's why you need a good church in your life. 
help you raise those kids up. That there should have been the loudest amen we had. As we're trying to raise these boys up to this next level, you know what Chris and I have had to do? We've had to look at ourselves and go, you know why they're doing some of that? Because they saw me do it. They've seen us do that. It's changed the way. You, if you want to have a revival in our kids, have a revival in us. Let us start living the life that we want our kids to live. I gotta hurry. That's, that's all just keeping getting people up to speed. Genesis 22 and verse 9. Now remember what God had promised Abram. Remember, he said, You're gonna have, you're gonna impact the worlds, nations. And then he and then he takes it a step further and he says, Here's how we're gonna do it. You're gonna have a son. And I know you're old. And this was long before there were any medications to help with that. How's this going to happen? And Sarah laughs. Sarah laughs at it. And God calls her out on it. How dare you laugh when I just promised you something. So God says, you're going to be a mighty nation. Here's how you're going to do it. I'm going to give you a son. And then now here we are. Everybody say the promise. Now here we are, Genesis 22, 9. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abram built an altar and arranged the wood and tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Remember last week we talked about the fact that you got to be, when God gives you a promise, you and I have got to be so willing to love God and follow him and trust him enough that we will lay down what he promised us. So Abraham is saying, God, you've given me a promise. This boy is going to help me fulfill that promise. And God says, okay, you're putting your faith in that boy. I want you to kill him. And he lays him on the altar. How many have been asked by God to lay some things down that you feel like he promised you? That's the toughest thing you can do. That's the toughest. And boy, you talk about when faith turns into trust at that moment right there. When you say, you know what, God promised me. There's a great passage of Scripture. I believe it's over in Hebrews that says that Abraham knew that God would raise that boy from the dead even if he killed him. At that moment, verse 11, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't you lay a hand on that boy. I love that. I've read that over and over and over. You just told me to kill him. I know, but now I'm telling you, don't you touch that boy. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Now here we go, verse 13. This is where we're moving into the fourth P. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. And so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The fourth P to finding and fulfilling your vision is provision. So what am I passionate about? What is my personality? What is that place? All of those things are hints to what God has promised you. And also, every one of those things are ways that you actively and daily step into the fulfillment of that promise. Provision. Write this down. Two main points today. Number one, your promise 
is directly connected to what God has given you. I don't know what I'm called to do. What has God provided? I'm going to say it again. Your promise is directly connected to what God has already given you. I look at some people that are like, I just don't know what God's called me to do. And I look at what they're holding in their hand. I look at the talents and the abilities and the giftings that God has already given them. And it amazes me that they can't see that. I love the scripture as Moses was bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. And they came to the Red Sea. And the scripture says that as they stood looking at the Red Sea, and behind him comes Pharaoh's army, millions of people caught in between. Can you imagine the pressure? The pressure that I feel with just my family and and with this church of, are we leading properly? Are Are we doing this thing right? Can you imagine the stress of millions of people? And you're the guy that let them out? And now here you're standing, Red Sea, here comes Pharaoh's army. And the scripture says that Moses cried out to the Lord, God, what have you done? And what are we going to do? We need you to help us. And one of the coolest passages of Scripture, the Lord said to him, Why are you talking to me? What do you have in your hand? Now, when you get home, just read that Scripture. Why are you asking me to answer a prayer when I've already given you the answer to your prayer? God, save us, boy, in your hand. You're holding the very rod that you threw down, and miracles happen. And in this moment of stress and trial, you're worried about how it's going to work out. Use what I put in your hand. What you have will tell you what you're supposed to do. However... The fulfillment of your promise is dependent on what we do, what God has given us. Let me say that right without my tongue getting all tied up. That old guy said, my tongue got tangled up in my eye tooth and I couldn't see what I was saying. (laughs) Ever heard that one before? So my promise is directly connected to what God has given me, right? However, here's the caveat. The fulfillment of that promise is dependent on on what I do with what God has given me. So I can't just say, God's given me a promise and he's given me this staff. Yay. I've got to do something with it. I've got to take what God has given me and give God a return on his investment. See, we talk about God giving freely and he does, but God is also a businessman, okay? He fully expects a return on the investment that he has given us. I mean, you watch God just strolling through and he sees a fig tree and he says, there's no figs on here. You're cursed. And it wasn't even fig season. That's how adamant God is about producing fruit. He said, you want to glorify God? You bear fruit. You bear a lot of fruit and let your fruit hang around. And he said, if you're bearing fruit, I'm going to cut on you so you'll bear more fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, I'm going to cut you down and put you in the fire. God likes fruit. Let all the fruit say amen. Yeah. So God gives us stuff 
And then he says, I want to see what you do with what I've given you. And then we're going to see if you can go to the next level. To him who is faithful over small things, I'm going to make him ruler over many things. I have a promise to rule over many things, but God's given me a staff to rule over small things. So how do I use this right now? How do I budget my time and my money? How do I use the investment that God has given me right here, right now, to make the most of it? 1 Samuel 17, 48. I read this, I quoted this last week. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. I preached my first sermon uh, as far as a public sermon in a real, not a youth service, a big church, all right? My first sermon, 1 Samuel 17, 48. So it was when the Philistine arose, this is Goliath, and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the what? What? Toward Goliath? No, the entire army to meet the Philistine. We talked about last week. This is what the power of a place does for you. David is running toward the entire army, not just Goliath. I mean, and Goliath was formidable. Some people say nine feet tall. And here comes Goliath. It would be like Trez coming after me, you know? Little Trez who weighs like two pounds just coming after me with a sling and me laughing. Oh, yeah, really? Of course, I know Trez could take me. There's no doubt. But Goliath, with all of his armor, and here goes David, not just running after him, but running toward the entire Philistine army. How do you do that, you ask? Actually, none of you did. Why don't you ask? How do you do that? You have to have a place that you can go back to, Chandra. That boy could run toward the entire army because he could take you back to a place where Samuel anointed him with oil and said, you're going to be king of Israel. And he could look at Goliath, and he could look at the entire army and said, I ain't king yet, so I'll take on all y'all. Let's go. That's the kind of promise I'm talking about right there. That's why David writes, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. I will destroy every single one of you because God gave me a promise that I have not fulfilled yet. You better watch standing between a God person and their promise. Man. And so he runs toward the entire army. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. Now David didn't just happen to do this. This is something that he practiced. Remember David, anointed to be king and sent back to ten sheep. One of the hardest things you can do is know that God's called you to greatness and you're hanging out with sheep. It's one of the hardest things you can do. But that's where you learn and you perfect the sling. When the sheep are taking it easy, what am I going to do? I'm going to perfect the sling and I'm going to perfect the heart. Because these are the two things that God has given me now that I know I can use. And you perfect it. You work on your craft you become the best mom and daddy you can be. You become the best teacher, the best singer, the best businessman. Just put it in teacher, whatever it is. Put it in there. What is it? What has God given you? Perfect it. Make it better. Make it the best that it can be. And then you watch God open the door. And you step through that door. 
And someone is going to try to give you a sword and a shield. And at that moment, you say, no, nope, I'm going to stick with what I perfected. At that moment, listen to what I'm telling you. When the door opens up, you're going to be tempted to go, I'm not qualified to be in this new season. Because everybody else is using swords. God's going to say, what have you perfected? What have you worked on? What have I given you? Use that as you step into, boy, I'm bringing a word right now. Woo, Lord. For me. Because it's so tempting when you begin to move into new seasons to try to do what everybody else is doing. And do it their way. Don't make that mistake. I don't care if the king tells you, try on my armor, take my sword. No, I'm going to use what God's given me now. I love the scripture that says there were men in Israel that could throw a sling within a hair's breadth. So take one of your hairs out, hold it up. They could throw it, it would be that close with their left hand. That's how serious they were about perfecting it and working on it. This is what David did. And when the bear shows up, when the lion shows up, what are you doing? I'm perfecting my gift. I don't know what it's going to be, but I know there's going to be a day I'm going to have to use what God has given me right now, so I'm going to work on it right now. I know some of you have grand ideas and great big promises that God has for you. But what are you doing right now with the gift that God has given you? I want to talk to the single adults for just a moment. You know, Paul taught, called it a gift of singleness. Read that. He said there is a gift of singleness. Some, Chris and I were single adult and young adult pastors for 10 years. And this was always what we would try to drive home is God has given you the most beautiful gift. Marriage is a beautiful gift, but so is being single. What are you doing right now with that gift that God has given you? Perfecting it, making it the best. You can serve more. You can share more. You can spend more time doing more things for the kingdom of God. And then let me move to those of you married folks that don't have kids. That is a gift. Use that time. Go to a movie. Eat dinner. How many kids are in here? Make love. Because once the babies show up, everything's got to be arranged, rearranged. It is a gift that God has given you in that moment. And then those of you that have young kids, enjoy that gift because they're going to be driving in a little while. Never forget Evan driving off with Davis in the car with him. And we're thinking, there's our entire legacy just speeding right down old hickory. Just what? The whole legacy just rolling off. And then they get Tiger in the car. Oh, my God, here we go. Use what God's given you now. And then when those kids get out of the house and go to college, use that. Am I speaking? Are you getting what I'm saying? What is God giving you now? Use that. Perfect it. Make it the best that it can be right now. We don't have any money. We're, we're struggling. Use that now. Use your talent for God. This is why I love Josh and Nicole. It's why I can't stop bragging on people that use their talent for God. They're taking it, and I'm not talking about folks that use their talent and go, well, I'm just giving God glory. No, I'm talking about what is it actively doing right now? What is your talent actively doing to glorify God right now? Right now, on a daily basis. 
What is your gifting and talent doing right now to glorify God? If it's not, if you're waiting for the big show for you to unveil and go, I just give God all the glory. Don't wait because the mic could shut off. You could be at the Super Bowl and they just put it right and all the lights just go out. (laughs) Well, we don't have time for that interview. Let's move on. Man, I was just waiting for that moment to tell everybody. What about every single day you getting up and telling somebody, God is the one that gave me this gift. I'm doing this for him. Come on, I'm going to go pastoral on you right now. Don't tell me you want to impact the nations if you will not share your talent with your local church. Don't tell me that you want to impact the nations if you will not share your talent with your family. We've made a commitment that our boys, we will not sacrifice our boys on the altar of ministry. I love this church. I love what God's called us to do, but I will not sacrifice my children for that. I won't do it. We have people that say to us, I'd like to meet with you. It's going to be a little while because my boys come first. A number one, boys come first. I'm going to bid every basketball game they have. I'm going to bid every school function they have. Everything I can do. I will not take the talents that God has given Kristen and I and share them with you and not share them with my baby boys. So it doesn't matter the promise God's given you if you're not using it right here, right now. I don't want to sound mean. I don't want to sound mean. But I do feel such an urgency this morning for us to start doing what God's called us to do right now. And those of you that have been walking with the Lord for a long time, it is your job to teach some of these new ones how to do this. Because they're coming. we got new ones right here, right now. But the doors are getting ready to open, and there is a harvest that's coming in. And we're going to need some of you folks that know how to walk with God to begin to teach these young ones how to do it. As I said last Sunday, we have to be willing to lay down what he's given us before we can get what he has for us. So God will give you something. And then he'll say, I want to see what you'll do with it. Now watch what happens. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. Therefore, remember they say don't take a a knife to a gunfight. David took a sling to a sword fight. And he said, therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword. And drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, the entire army fled. So David took what he knew how to use. And used it faithfully in a season where he was tending to sheep and stepping in sheep stuff. Knowing that he was called to be bigger and better. And then when the doors opened up, he stepped through. Offered an armor and a sword, and instead he used what he had proven. But because he was faithful to what he has proven, and he took Goliath out, then he takes the enemy's sword and destroys him with it. And at that moment is when, here's the deal. When God opens the door, use what God has given you, and then watch God begin to give you other things. And the scripture never records that David used the sling again. 
Matter of fact, there was a day that he was running for his life. And the scripture says he went back to the temple and he went and got Goliath's sword. Once you go to that next level, God's probably going to ask you to lay some things down that you've been really good at. Because what worked in this season won't work in that season. Your promise is directly connected to what God has already given you. Does that make sense? So what is my promise? What has he given you? Look at it. What has God given? And number two, your promise is directly connected to what God will give you. If God has promised it, he will provide for it. That word provision, the word pro means forward or for. Provision is there for the vision. Provision is there to move the vision forward. So when Kristen and I, when she stands here today and talks about giving, that giving is not just for right here, right now. That giving is here so it can move the vision that God has given us forward. So if you're looking right now and you're saying, I know God's called me to great things, but I also know that I can't do it with what I have, then that means that God is going to provide something you don't have. Write this down. If you can fulfill the vision that God has over your life with what you have, your vision ain't big enough. And if you can fulfill the vision with what the, if you can fulfill the vision that you have for your life by yourself, then your vision certainly isn't big enough. It's going to require God and other people showing up and putting things in our life. Here's what I began to pray this morning. I said, Lord, you know that we're going to need more than we have to fulfill the promise that you have over our life. You know that. And so because you know that and I know that, that means there is provision right around the corner. Because we do not believe in people getting out of hell and into heaven alone. We believe that God has called for us to live life and to live it abundantly. God has called us to a land of milk and honey, overflowing milk and honey. God never sends you to a place just to get by. He has called us to a place where there is more than enough. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you can ever ask, think, hope for, imagine. That means your wildest dreams. God just took it to a whole nother level. When you reach the end of your wildest dreams, God's dreams for you in another galaxy. How am I going to get from here to there? You're going to need God to provide for you. And so he's going to say, take what I've given you, your only son. Lay him on an altar and kill him. How am I going to do this? Because if I do this, first of all, I'm losing my only baby. But secondly, there's no way that I can do what you've called me to do if I take him. And then suddenly you hear this. <laughs> I wish I could do better sound effects. That was kind of weak, wasn't it? And he looks up, and there is a perfect sacrifice hung up in the bushes. God will always provide for the vision. And receive that word this morning. You just take that word and pull it into your heart today. Do you? How y'all doing? 
You see, y'all thought we were about to do a drama, didn't you? They came out in white shirts. You're like, oh, okay, it's a skit going on. No skits. What else do you need in your life in order to fulfill the promise that God has on you? How many could tell me right now, this is what I need? Raise your hand. You know, I'm not going to make you do it. But you know there are some things that you don't quite have right now that you need in your life to fulfill the promise. Raise your hand. You know. I mean, I can tell you right now, I wrote it right there on my deal. This is what we need. Now put your hand down. Now, because that's the easy thing to pray for. But the thing I want to pray for us right now is, how are we best using what God has given us now? How are we stewarding that? How are we walking into the abundance right here, right now? To see God begin to do the work right in this place. Not there, right now. Because I can promise you, David celebrated over the bear and the lion just as much as he did over Goliath. Don't look so far ahead to where you think you're going to go that you miss those victories that God's given you right now.